Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, how to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, how to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive in June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. So welcome to a Starship Sova, a special. This is the Captain's Logs. This is hopefully to entice you to buy this current book of Starship Sofas. I am Tony C. Smith. And I am Kieran O'Carroll. Kieran, look when you said that, honestly, I got the hairs on the back of my neck stood up there. How are you doing? Very well, Tony, sir. Very well indeed. How's things with your good self? I'm hey, going, going great guns. You must be very excited, sir. Your captain's logs have just come out there. There's, <laughs> there's another titter in the background there as you just, reach for your loo roll. It's just squeezed out this this uh, this week, Kieran. Do you know what I mean? I've got I've got it in my hand here, and I'm going to send you a copy. You know, I'm Oof. oh, you know, no expense spared. And I'm actually, I'll get you to sign one as well, and we'll try and auction it off. But I, honestly, Kieran, when you see it, you'll be rather impressed. It looks good on the website. It looks it looks like a nice glossy cover, mm-hmm. a big rocket ship on there, not not entirely unphallic, and uh, <laughs> edited by Tony C. Smith, Tony. Tony, I mean, come on, how many years? It's been two years since I moved down to London. And in those two years, what has Starship Sofa become? You know, hey, but, but it, it's, where did it start, Kieran? That's the most important bit. That's what I've got you on for. Where did it start? <laughs> I mean, I, mostly late at night or early in the morning. That's where it started, I think. Do you know, and I think I might have mentioned this when I um, phoned you up a couple of Days ago, just to, to like kind of arrange talking about this. When you honestly, when you do look through this, 
this book, there is, you know, because we've got, the idea was, you know, got loads of, uh, a few transcribers to transcribe a few of the shows. And th- honestly, Keen, throughout the place, there is just like laughing, you know, like I was saying, like laughing brackets. And it's amazing how much, you know, there was of that. I think what, you, what surprised me most is that you told me I'm, I'm pretty hard to understand. I, I can't believe that. Surely not. <laughs> when, did I say that to you when, when we used to do the shows? Or was this, what was this in reference to? I remember in reference I, to transcribing it, the poor buggers that you set off there for the thankless task, <laughs> having so much difficulty understanding the words that I was saying. Well, honestly, when you read it, Kieran, you know, when you read it back, you, you, you sometimes wonder, why do we talk like that? Do you know what I mean? We, we, both of us, we, we can't get a sentence out without going back and seeing the first part of the sentence first and then jump into something completely different. You know, but it's all written in, in words. And then the other person's picking up exactly what's said. And then you jump back to the first. You know, it's like that throughout. And you're thinking, like you say, for the transcribers, how on earth they got, got through that? Well, if I remember correctly... Um we, I had a conversation with you one day. I was either going into town for drinks or I was now nah, on the way to work in the morning. And you said, Kieran, I've got this great idea. I don't know if you're into it or not, but how do you feel about doing a podcast? And I said, uh, what's a podcast? Said, it's this brand new thing. It, it's just come out and it, it will be one of the first ones doing it. Um, and it's basically like an online radio show um and we talked for the duration when it takes about 45 minutes for me to walk from my old house in in newcastle all the way through to town and during that 45 minute conversation the structure of what was and was for two years starship sofa evolved we got the title in one conversation which was a, a random jump around of various um possibilities that you kind of vetoed or eyed or nade and we settled on Starship Sofa. Actually Starship Sofa was your your baby name when you think about yeah, it. Yeah, but it was I I just shot ideas at you. I kinda said, remember that sounds all right. I that kinda remember right. any other names? Oh, there was Corbett's chair we had floating around yeah, for... That's right, that's right. Because the idea of course was that it would be the best way of running it would be we would do it just like Ronnie Corbett used to do his jokes where he'd sit in the big chair, little bloke, big chair, and he would go round the houses to tell one simple joke. And he'd jump backwards and forwards. And, and I thought that was a, a good concept because I couldn't really see any of us, either one of us, being able to approach it in a linear fashion because what we knew about the subject and it was your idea to run with sci-fi, what we knew about the subject was quite different. So what we did know about would always have to be peppered in with what we knew a damn sight more about, which was bollocks, if you know what I mean. <laughs> you know, see, my memory, this is why I'm glad I'm speaking to you, because know, it's, it is, it's bringing loads of memories back for me. Did we, you know, when we chose to do, or when I phoned you up to do a, the podcast, did we, did, was my initial thoughts to just to do a podcast? We didn't know the actual topic, or did we... No, 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 it was definitely, ha- definitely science fiction. Right, right. It wasn't going to be on something else that we were kind Cookery. of... 
it wasn't going to be on cookery or dog grooming <laughs> women's or, laundry or, or or how to get the most out of your out of your job through effective effective time management I can remember the phone call you know because it was a, it was a nice lovely day and I was at work and like I say it was just we we went on for ages and I was, I've even actually wrote that in the forward do you know me saying do you want to do a podcast you saying yes then saying what's a podcast yeah I had no idea I genuinely had absolutely no idea. In fact, I think after the conversation, I looked it up on the internet, and it was turned out to be coined by some um, some Dutch MTV presenter. Well, even when you, as well, this is when we first started it. We did we have a clue? Because I hadn't a clue. Do you know what I mean? I kind of know now a little bit more about the kind of technology side of it, but we were so book bare naked. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Did, and you remember, because the, the, one of the shows that are in there, I, I had to put number one in, was the Alfred Bester one. And we didn't understand, or I didn't understand, editing. Do you know what I mean? It, it, and we we recorded it. Was it three times? Because the first time we made, like, a mistake, half, like, one mistake. Not, not now, we'll just edit it out. Do you know what I mean? But I think we made, like, a mistake halfway through, and, ah, oh, bollock, we'll have to start that again. So... I think I think you hadn't got it on record the first time round. Was it? Oh yeah. And then the second time we did do it three times. I remember that there. But still, it's worth pointing out that for me, if here's an episode that I listened, I've listened to more than once, it's the bester one. And I think it was just the sheer uh, marvel of hearing something that I thought sounded so complete in its own particular kind of way. I haven't listened to it for ages, but what, re- what, what stuck with me about the Bester one was, one, that your editing was quite tight. And, and although the sound quality did get knocked, <laughs> I think, at the time there, um, we didn't know any better. It's like my father, I remember my father, he's, he's a very first video recorder. We had ourselves a, a VHS one, and he recorded an episode of Dallas on it. Um, which was very popular at the time there. And he played it back, and it was awful. I mean, you could barely make out what was going on. But because it was his very first video recording and his very first video recorder, he turned to us and said, that's quite good, isn't it? (laughs) It's surprising, you know, when... Remember when we used to, like... And we mentioned this on the shows a few times, you know, all the kind of Deep Space Nine, the DVDs and the Red Dwarf DVDs we used to watch and the Star Trek ones. You put them on like a video, you know, and you you watch them now. Not that we've got one now, but the quality, you know, it's just so bad and fuzzy. And these were like ones you were buying. Now, I don't know if they kind of they deteriorate that much in, in a short time, you know, but like a VHS video, it's just the whole picture seems like blurred. I don't, I don't, I, 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 all those Deep Space Nines I think I've got now, because they all started off as a collection um, that Bob, yourself, and myself all contributed to. Uh, you said, I've had a really good idea, fellas. I was about this. We all buy DVDs, all start by Star Trek DVDs, and we'll all keep them together, and we'll all be able to watch them together. But I tell you what, the smartest idea is that I keep them in my house, and, 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 and it's a really good idea, fellas. What do you think? Yes, now, now you know why, but jumping on my defence here, because our house was home for everyone, do you know what I mean? So they were, that was like the central location. So, and actually, I think Bob, you lived there, Bob lived there, so... Yeah, yeah, that's right. And uh, when, when uh, 
Bob told me that you're about to give it all away to a jumble sale. He said, you should jump in. You should jump in and get it. Don't let him do it. And I and I did, and it's it dutifully locked away in my garage in Newcastle, where I keep all my stuff stored. So, are you? That's. Oh, well, I was going to ask you that. Then. Are you down? Still down London, or still working in London? Shandy uh, drinking Southerner. <laughs> yeah, I've been down here for two years now, and I live in Camberwell, a marvelous spot. And I took a job as a catering manager in in what effectively is a great big bloody office, um, which is a. Uh, it's good. It's good. What's it's a good place to be? Very positive. Uh, is it? I was going to say because I remember. You know, this is how we kind of the, the the uniqueness of the shows as well. You, you, your job was so ridiculously long hours up in the northeast. You would come over to mine on the on like the last metro or something, and sometimes I would be picking you up about half eleven at night. If I was lucky, sometimes I'd be walking all the way over from the uh, from the <laughs> metro station, you know, walk for an hour and a half, and then wake you up, and then go and lie on your sofa. And there was like I'd loads. Be of, lucky was, if I got a lift was, from the station. There was like loads of little. Oh, the next day you'd check there'd be loads of little text messages. I'm here. I'm walking. The next one. A little <laughs> bit closer. Yes. And Whitburn. Whitburn is not known for, for much in the way of anything on a night time. It wasn't as if I could stop off at a pub because they're all shut. There'd be no uh, late night nothings, no late night bus services. Just uh, not even people walking their dog, Tony. Can, what, Kieran, what's your memories of... Of the actual shows, you know, you know, we, we sat down and, and did them. Because I sometimes think about this, you know, it's a weird thing when people listen to the show from what we do when we record it. You know what I mean? It doesn't feel like we're putting a show together when we're talking, when, when we're like, cracking on. It, it, it just feels like we're talking, and yet, you know, people listen to it. Have you got any thoughts on that? Well, I think about eight hours research on each bloody show was uh, part and parcel of it for me. That just took... Uh, for, it was... I'd reach a point. It was like cramming for an exam. And I'd, I'd reach a point there where I, I, I'd started off knowing virtually nothing, and at the end of it, I knew even less. And then it would all these written notes where I'd be using and stuff in, in the original early shows. My source material wasn't the internet. It was... Um, oh, that's right. reference books. Oh. I used to have... I had about four or five science fiction encyclopedias that I picked up over the years. And, and I they were out of date as well. <laughs> oh God, it was, they were well past the cell I mean, Most of them, most of them were from when I was a kid, so they were from the early, the early eighties. The, 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 yeah, they would stop at the eighties. Yeah, so it kind of kind of covered the period that I was most interested in, which was obviously the new wave, the American new wave, and 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 of course they touched upon some of the writers, you know that. That was that were part of the um, New Worlds type kind of British New Wave, which you know, as, as you know, is a different thing altogether. But yeah, and when I got my computer, when I got my famous G3, then then the world was me oyster. Text recognition software to start with, so I could scan stuff in and play with it, and then after that, on the internet to find out that there was a whole wealth of information that I could steal from other people's research. Marvelous. It's. It's, it's it honestly is, Kieran. It's like hand on heel. Yeah, like the amount of stuff we covered was unreal when you think about it now. Because odd times, you know, there's there's been certain writers that I thought, you know, it would be nice to do maybe a, like a a special on them, you know, like a three week special. On, and I've printed it all off at work. You know what I mean? And 
say one of the big ins like Asimov or something like that, and then I've looked at it and I'm thinking, I honestly could, I, I don't know if I could, well, I couldn't do it, you know what I mean? I certainly couldn't do it by myself. And you just think, wow, you know, that, because it was, I think we did 67 shows of like authors, right on the odd one, you know, there was the last two when I'm, I'm trying to look in me, in me kind of files at the actual shows were like two Christmas chats like part one, part two, but the actual last, very last one, which I'm going to play on this show at the end of us talking here now, was that show 69. And you know what show 69 was, don't you? Let me just take a wild guess there. <laughs> I think that, that that one there, I don't remember too much about that one, sex and sci-fi. Um, religion and sci-fi, I seem to remember being a bit, particularly tough one because in the aftermath of doing that I realized I'd missed out huge tranches of stuff that I would that I should have mentioned in there well I think you know when you're looking back at the religion one because that's in this book there the, I'm surprised actually because I don't remember that being a particularly good show <laughs> no I didn't I didn't go for I wanted to go for one just like a broad spectrum because I, I could have started off you know just choosing one to ten do you know what I mean? And I thought, well, then I'm missing other ones. Do you know what I mean? Just like, I, I wanted to get in. Remember the one where you had gnomes? I think it was the Haldeman show when we're talking about the Black Panthers in the Lake District and God, or God gnomes. Oh, because the previous week, the Black Panther, who was, a, I think, a notorious rapist, um, we read, well, that was, yeah, we read, we read up there and couldn't quite understand why the Black Panthers were active in Surrey uh, and what particular kind of push against the race they were working on down there. And then the following week when, we, when I kind of came back and said, oh, just the Black Panther was this notorious rapist and wasn't a Black Panther um, per se, then it was just like working out what the Black Panthers would get up to in suburbia. <laughs> and it would be garden gnomes and it would be perhaps, I don't know, running across village greens. Mind, I still think, and actually I didn't put that one in because it was like part one and part two, is when you're talking about Uncle Frank on Red Dwarf. That's just, honestly, it's a defining part in my lifetime, that, when you, (laughs) and I think, and I, I wasn't listening, I think I was like doing, writing notes, you know, making sure everything was working when we were talking. And I just listened, caught, you know, you talking about Uncle Frank, and I'm thinking... Uncle Frank was like coming in your mum's bedroom. <laughs> yeah, creases me up even now thinking about that. Yeah, uh, that, that was there was two stories in Red Dwarf, wasn't it? There was the other one, and it, it obviously which one of the writers did it, I don't know, but the other one's all about the um, the shoes, isn't it? You go and remind us, then, Kieran. Ah, he's Peterson had it's it's uh, Lister's Talon Rimmer that Peterson bought these shoes on Callisto. And the shoes, um, they were kind of semi-sentient, artificial intelligence shoes. And no matter how pissed you were, they'd take you home. So anyway, the shoes started getting bored with just taking Peterson from the boozer back to his to his bedroom. And... The shoes then started taking him to other places because the shoes wanted to see more of the world. So Peterson would find himself in in Helsinki or or, or Bangkok or something like that. And Peterson started getting a bit disturbed and started trying to get rid of the shoes. 
and uh, I can't remember how it how it plays out there, but the shoes kept on coming back, uh, and then uh, eventually the the shoes uh, jumped in a in a car and drove themselves into a canal in Amsterdam, and 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 they died, they died, and uh, Peterson was really upset about this, and uh, and Peterson went off to go and see a priest, and the priest said not to worry. And uh, he said it was it was all fine. And uh, Rimmer Rimmer turns to Lister and says, "Well, why why was it why was it okay?" He said, "It's because he said the priest told him that shoes it's all right for the shoes because they go on to a better place because shoes have got soul, <laughs> or in fact two of them." <laughs> But it was it was the same kind of story. It was the same kind of style. Obviously, one of them had this particular trick of writing these quite clever, uh, what would effectively would be pub stories, the kind of thing you'd tell a bloke in a pub. Do you know, I was just, you know, when you said that you were a bit disappointed with the, what was it, the religion one? Mm-hmm. I think when we did it, because I remember you being a bit disappointed, because you were always more... Oh, I don't know what, what's the best way. More worried or more, you know, you, you, it, it had to be kind of right. You know, I was quite a bit, I think, easygoing with that kind of side. You know, I kind of worried about the editing and the actual sound quality. You wanted, the, you know, the kind of the facts. But I always thought content. you got... Content. Yes, content. You know, I always thought you were a bit upset with the... What was the one? Banksy, E&M Banks. I always thought you were a bit upset with that one. That wasn't to, like, your, your kind of the standard... Maybe. I can't remember. All I can remember is I, I got as many points on his whiskey test as he did. Yes, I remember. <laughs> Which is not bad, not bad going there for, for a half Irishman going against a Scot. I'll tell you what I did. Banks has done some big, big, big drinking. I'll tell you what I did put in. I put in the one which I thought, because I didn't really know much about this writer, you know, the James Triptree Jr. one. Because I honestly, that was like, a lot of these shows for me, mind you, were shows of discovery, do you know what I mean? Because you, you know the writer, or you, you, you know his name, or you know her name, as I, you know, as we're kind of led to believe or found out. And especially with Triptree Jr., you know, what happened at the end, you know, I just thought that was like a stunning show, and that was a big one. And then I picked in Samuel Delaney, because I know he was, you know, this was... Is he, and am I still right in thinking he's probably one of your favourite writers? He still is. He still is. He still is. Um, yes, um, dude, that was a big, a big upset for me when um, Michael Moorcock dissed him. And uh, on on the, when we went out to go and see him, because Samuel Delaney, he did um, time. Was it time? Told as a helix of semi-precious stones. Even I can't remember the title, which was one of the New World's stories that uh, they bought one of Samuel Delaney's shorts and ran it. And uh, Mike Moorcock described it as something something pretentious. Did he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He did. And then it, I think he must have had a, an attack of guilt because I saw on one of his on Moorcock's miscellanea him talking about how he quite likes Chip Delaney and 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 just don't know why he said that and all that kind of stuff. It's funny, you know, because I've been doing this this these interviews with like writers where I've got fifteen questions. You know, the, the questions always stay the same. It's only the writers that change. And I've been doing some some really big and stuff here, and the, I'm trying to get this Chip Delaney because he's on Facebook, you know, and I, I don't know if he's he's kind of settled. He's a he's a lecturer or, or a teacher over there in America, and. 
actually, I've never gotten back to him. He said, give us a couple of weeks till lecturing quietens down. And I still haven't gotten back to him. But Yeah, it, it is very much, I, I think, after having looked at it from other angles, he's part of what they call the Harlem Renaissance. Right. It was uh, the kind of from, I guess, the 20s onwards, Harlem in New York, obviously, became a hotbed of, 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 of I guess, of, of, a, of a black intelligentsia. And uh, Chip Delaney, although I never really thought of him in that particular way, I just thought of him as a sci-fi writer who, funnily enough, without even knowing anything about his, his, uh, his race, just the way he wrote, reminded me of uh, Iceberg Slim, and I was absolutely certain that he was, a, he was a black gentleman, and he was. But he comes from that kind of, that kind of background. There was an awful lot going on in America. And I uh, sold your Iceberg Slim book, didn't I, as well, on eBay? Yeah, you did. You, 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 you were very good that way, Tony. <laughs> Definitely not leaving a thing around your house. You interviewed Ty- Tiger, Tiger Melville just recently. What was that all about? Tiger China. Tiger, Tiger Melville, Tony. <laughs> tiger. Was he like a tiger? He was, he's actually a really nice guy, do you know what I mean? I did it for the... Oh, the what, Sifla, you know, the Science Fiction Writers of America? I interviewed him for that, because I can't actually, you know, type an interview, do you know, and send some questions over and type, oh. So I just kind of arranged with him and phoned him up, and I got someone to, to transcribe it. It's actually one of the transcribers in this book who's done this, Gilderan transcribed it all and you know he was lovely to be quite honest Kieran and what's nice is when you when you get them sometimes off topic and you know you just find out other things about them you know he wrote this last book you know City in the City I don't know if you've read it or not but his man was like a like a big kind of crime detective noir reader and mm-hmm. he was writing this book for her, and she he, she died of cancer. Do you know what I mean? And he he, he went into all that, and that was you know it's it's nice when that happens. No, I'm not saying it's nice when that happens, but you know when they go off topic and they re- reveal something else. Yeah, the motivation behind it all. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, I've read a couple of his books recently. <laughs> well, it was on recommendation because if you remember correctly, again, uh, Michael Moorcock recommended him of all the guys who are writing at the moment, the one that he really thought. Mm-hmm. Um, was doing something worthwhile. Are you happy? I, are you happy with his work, or do you not like him? Or well, I, I, st- I made a bit of, bit of a mistake. I went in blind and picked up a book by himself, and it turned out to be his first children's book. So it was a bit kind of well, sketchy and you, kid-like, and uh, and I thought, oh Christ! No, I see, I, I see, I read that. Mind you, in London is that the one? Yeah, yeah that's I, the one. Yes, I read. I read that neatly last year. I went on holiday, and I really enjoyed it. You know, I thought it was some great. I don't know where where you've gotten to. I might spoil it for you now, but you know where the, the, the window panes are like spider are spiders. Have you gotten to that part? No, I'm, oh. I'm just pretty much at the bit where they end up on the bridge and the bridge is being stormed by the smog, and uh, that's as far as I've got. Right. Well, I I loved it. I think it made me because, like you say, it was like a, a kind of children's young adults things. You know, and I whizzed through it. It was like great holiday reading. But he's he's had out just lately that um, city in the city, and then he's got this at the minute. It's just come out the Kraken, which everyone's ranting and raving about. Mm. No, no I've only read. Um, is it Perdo Station? Yes. I've read Perdo Station, and I think I've got on my bookshelf to read The Iron Council. But Purdue Station, I really, really enjoyed. I really did enjoy. Well, the weird thing about him, I don't know where, but I, I was sure I'd seen a picture 
of China Melville at an earlier stage in the game. Uh, and he was a, a beardy. He was a beardy whippy. He was what? a beardy weirdy. He was like, it was all hair, stuff like that, long coat. You know, the kind of guy who'd be hanging around um, wearing the same clothes from some time in the 70s all the way through till now. It hasn't changed, you know, with like rose-tinted glasses, perhaps, and kind of a long coat, long, bushy hair. I don't know, quite like listening to The Damned or, or mm, what would be a good idea, Jesus and Mary Chain and, and, uh, and uh, Echo and the Booney Men. And then I saw a picture of him just the other week, and he doesn't look anything like it. Oh, he, he's a ransom devil with, uh, with loads of piercings. <laughs> yes, he is. I, 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 nice guy, mind you. Um, out of, give out of them, because I might, I might actually, because when we ended, I think I carried on for probably another, I don't know, say 20, 30 shows. I think it probably went up to actually show maybe 99 or 100. Mm. I, I, I don't know. Is there any... Was there anyone you wanted to get done and we didn't get we didn't get to? You know, I know there was the big ones like we didn't do Asimov and we didn't do Clark. But was there anybody? I wasn't interested in doing the big mm-hmm. lads because they were just there was there was no. I mean, we did. Did we do Heinlein? We must have done Heinlein. Did we do we Heinlein? Because we did. We it was Heinlein or Henlein. I could never really make up my mind. Did we bow was... the pressure on that one? I don't know. I, 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 I it was a three-parter. There you go as well, mind you. We've covered three parts of them. Yeah. And you parted out the shores. Yeah, I was glad we did Philip K. Dick because that one there, in part of my reading history there, I'd, I remember reading and, and, and finding this decline in his work and this kind of, it's like a stuck record just going over the same themes over and over again in Vallis and, and all those other ones that came at the end. Um, who did I not do that I would have liked to have done? Hmm. Well, we did all the one. We did Sheckley, didn't we? Yes, yes, we, we did, did Sheckley. Sheckley. Did we do Silverberg? Mm-hmm. Did, did we? Silverberg? Yes, yes. I spoke to him, you know, I've, I've interviewed him. He was lovely. Oh, he's, a, he's a big hitter. I'm slightly envious about that. What, what did uh, old Silverberg have to say for himself? Well, he's, you know, because like I say, he was, he's 15, he was very, you know, you kind of see the pictures in his younger days, you know, and he looked like a kind of cool, radical guy, do you know what I mean? He's kind of goatee and all that, but now he's like an elder statesman, and he came over as, you know, this like a very calm elder statesman, do you know what I mean? And he was a bit, you know, I, I don't know, he didn't mess with him, just, you know, you so much respect there for him but he gave us a number or he kind of put us in touch with I did Jack Vance Kieran I spoke to him and I've just played that on the show and the guy's 93 he's he's blind he lives at home you know I, I kind of went through Silverberg and then I, I went through like Jack Vance's son and yeah just in a way kind of cold cold you know they knew I was phoning. He sat, and I was because I've actually done um, Ray Bradbury as well. But I was on the phone for him. For, oh, that's one of your big heroes. Oh, I know. I know. But I was on the phone for him for say two minutes, and I was expecting Bradbury to um, Jack Vance to be exactly the same. Do you know what I mean? I was thinking, ah, just you know what I mean? Yes, no, yes, no, and yes. And I, I must admit, the the full the full like raw version of it was probably about an hour and a half. Man. Honestly, he just... He invited us over with the family and everything, Kieran. It was, honestly, like crowning bit of my kind of time Starship sofa. Do you know what I mean? It was just unreal. Jack Vance was a funny one for me, because if you read his books from one book to the next, he changes style so much so that you'd feel like you're reading a different author. And there were rumours going around 
at the time that Jack Vance was actually a collective of writers. He wasn't just one person. Right. If you look at Tales of Dying Earth, which again, he adopted the style of somebody else. You go on to the things like, what was it, the, the ones with the Penumen and all that particular lot. I can't remember, but the style of, of writing changed so much that people in the community believe, and this is about the same time as James Tiptree Jr. was getting uh, hotly tipped as a, you know, a fantastic young man. Um, they were saying that Jack Vance was, in fact, more than one person. So much so, you know, that, he, that his, uh, his style changed so much so that people um, couldn't believe that he was just one bloke. I'm quite envious of that. Jack Vance was one of my little favourites. Well, you know what was weird as well, Kieran? If you listen to the show, do you know what I mean? <laughs> is he just distanced himself from science fiction, had no love for it, anything, you know, fantasy or anything like that. He, just, he never read anything. He never read... He read his own and he liked his own work, but... He liked crime and mystery, and he had he had honestly no time for science fiction. Didn't really want to talk about science fiction. Do you know? He didn't interest him in, in the slightest. Which it's it's just but like you say, that's what makes great kind of interviews. You know, when they go off and they, they talk about. Did you hear Kieran had a, a call called Harlan Ellison? Actually, uh, Mike Warcock was talking about hooking us up with Harlan. Who? Somebody knows. Somebody outside of it all was yes. hooking us up with Harlan. Oh, what was it? Um, I, I think he might have ran his blog or something like that. But to, to do with these kind of fifteen questions, I, I somehow you know wangled Harlan Ellison's number, and I thought, "Fuck it!" I'm gonna, and honestly, Kieran, I was shite myself. <laughs> I phoned him up, and it was his secretary, and I was thinking, "Oh, you know what's going to happen?" You know, and I was like, "We met one of his his, his ex secretaries, old Linda, yes, Linda Moorcock." Right, right, uh-huh. And you know, she says, um, "Can I says can I speak, speak to Mr. Harlan Nelson, please?" She says, "Who's calling?" You know, and, I, and she says, "Can can you call back in five minutes?" And I thought, "Oh, she's doing." checks on us, you know what I mean? The guy's going to come over and clout us on. <laughs> the phone him up, and honestly, he was lovely. He didn't do the interview, you know, but he did the typical, like, Harlan. T- Tony, Tony says, I've done them so many times. He says, send us your questions, and he says, I'll answer them in your own way. And it was excellent. Mm. And he gave us permission. Well, I don't know if it's, it's actually his permission to give, but, he, you know, he kind of said it's okay, because I've got... Remember Langdon Jones, friend of Moorcock's? Langdon Jones. Langdon, Langdon Jones. Jones was one of the kind of new wave writers, friend of Moore Cox. He, lived, he lives down south and somewhere down south. Well, he he had a story picked in for, you know, Dangerous Visions 3, the one that never, never was. Well, I've got that. I got permission of him to, to get that played, get it narrated, and I've got some artwork for it. And I thought, I'd have to fucking ask Carl Nelson. Do you know what I mean? I don't want to just put it out. And he said, whoa, I've got copyright on that. But yeah, he said, dot. Just play it, you know. And he, he was, you know what he said, Kieran? He said, make sure, make sure that you give, you know, praise and copyright to, to Langdon Jones. Straight away he said that, you know what I mean? Thinking about writers' rights. Well, he was one of the big guys who were fighting when the screenwriters thing kicked off, wasn't he? Aye. Mm-hmm. He definitely came down the side of artist, in, uh, what is it, artist's integrity? What's the actual term, Tony? No idea. I'm actually quite. I'm actually quite chuffed that you. There wasn't any that you were desperate to kind of cover. Do you know what I mean? Like we, we seem I, to have, it doesn't. It, Tony, it's two years ago. I'll be entirely honest with you. you kind two of years remember. ago, and I can't remember. I can't remember. Like I said, the, the for me, Bester was the one I just had to get off my chest to start with. Well, 
If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Which ones are in, in here? See if this jogs your memory on anything. I've got the best of one in. You know, like, see, there's only, I don't know, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven. You know, and that mm-hmm. takes up to 300. There's eleven there, but you've got, you've got Bob's. You've got Bob's, a Terry Pratchett one. Well, I've got that, I've got that in. I've, I've got that in, Bob's. Um, and I've also got in our Muakok Gonzo one, you know. And I actually enjoyed that one because it's just like what we're doing now. We just chatted. About you know there was no research <laughs> it was quite an easy show. We just give our experience of going over and meeting Muakok. <laughs> but it's like just for them few shows, there's 320 pages. Do you know what I mean? Right. It's some we talk some shite some. There was a lot of verbiage in there. I'd say <laughs> almost definitely. Well, we've got Alfred Bester. I, I put that in for number one. Joe Haldeman. Then I got in Hall Nelson. Then I stick in Douglas Adams, part one, part two, because that, actually that show meant a lot to us, you know what I mean? He, well, that was more yours than it was mine, that mm-hmm. one, there. No, it just, it just, I think it's as well with him dying, so, you know what I mean? It's just suddenly and so young. Then I've got James Triptree, Samuel Delaney, because I knew that was, I thought actually you liked, or were keyed on doing, should I say, the, the religion and science fiction. Then, and I don't know why I've got it, Charlie Stross, because that would have been after my time, I think. No, you. We did Charlie Stross. It was show forty-six. Show forty-six. I think we went to show sixteen. Like you say, sixty-nine. But we did Charlie Stross because now I don't know you. I because you read Ian Council. You read a few books on his, didn't well, you? I read a few of his books. There's no two ways about it. 
He's not. I'm falling out with the guy. He's not a. I'm not really into. He's. But well, you struggled to get an interview with him. I remember that. That was still going on. Even when even I was now, you know, Kieran. Even now, well, oh, let's see. Two two months ago, I emailed him. You know, and like these fifteen questions are just fifteen basics. You know, I wanted them to kind of. I asked everyone out there. Is it a bit like, like smash hit story. Do you ask them what their favorite color is? It, it, like it's, it's honestly well, it was. I put like a shout out on the show and on Twitter and everything like that. It's just. And what would you ask? What was your one question you would ask a science fiction writer? And honestly, kid, I got loads of questions back. And I just whittled them all down. The most popular, what everyone was said. Do you know what I mean? Tell us about your childhood. You know, what stuff like that. What's your favourite? I don't know. I can't even remember the questions. Like you say, I've had, I've spoken with kind of many writers and they've been lovely. You know, um, Pat Carrigan, science fiction writer, she's called Pat Carrigan. She was on the on the phone an hour an hour do you know what I mean it's a load of writers I sent a, a question to kind of Charlie Stross and you know the, there's the questions if you wanted to have a look and he came back within seconds you know like very um, boring oh he says I'm, I'm going away I kind of I haven't got time for that and by the way the very boring questions and I thought you missed the point straight away man it was like the whole thing was like, what would you ask once? You know what I mean? I didn't want the complicated questions because I'm asking like different writers every week. And I just thought, oh, you're winding me up. <laughs> yeah, I know what you're saying. And some of his, I kind of get into some of his work. Do you know what I mean? I kind of read Glass House and that was all right, but I've tried a few of his, his works recently. And nah. I'm just actually getting a, um, a review copy of his very, very latest one out there. So. Maybe you should burn it in effigy. Just put it out in the back garden there, soak it with lighter fluid and set it away. Yes. I'll tell you what I've been reading recently of the of the British space opera variety. Peter Peter F. Is it Peter F. Hamilton? He's quite good. Oh, He's right. That's, good. Yes, well, I've got a story by him from a collection of short stories called Death Day, and I've um, never read any of his, you know, his big writing, mind you, you know, big books. Big books, big books. I don't know how big his writing is, but his books are big. <laughs> He's got big right. Big, curly, girly handwriting, yeah? <laughs> Which once you, once you condense it from an acre of forest, comes down to just three thick books a time. So are you, are you, what's he writing that you like? I've never read anything. Peter F. Hamilton, I think all of his stuff seems to be quite good. He's got lots of big ideas. He's clever. He's, he's quite clever. It's funny, actually. I always think about... It's that Peter Watts guy I always think about. Because when we reviewed the, the Hugo Awards, Peter Watts, um, he was probably my second favourite. He was my... Over he, still, he, still, he still pulls us about that, you know, because I've, I've spoken to him a couple of times. Cause I was, did, did I tell you he went to shite a few weeks ago? The yeah, US, he did. Uh, and that's what I would like. We'll get this book signed, me and you. Because and, he's got a story that's up for a Hugo and they're trying to get him over to Australia. Do you know what I mean? Because he's had to pay all these court fees and everything like that. And he still, when I spoke to him, you know, he's, like I say, he's been through hell and back. He still remembers that I didn't like his work. <laughs> well, you see, you did. You did. It was, uh, I just, I thought his depiction of alien life in that particular one there was one of my, I think it's one of the, one of the depictions of alien thought processes that I remember most. Both that the aliens who saw us as being kind of the equivalent of of, of um, time-wasting, troublemaking noise, um, like some kind of 
bacterium or plague, and the vampires in that particular book, which I thought was cleverly done. See, I couldn't understand why vampire vampires of all things were you know hard to do because I've 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 tried to work out you know it, it didn't sit well with us I don't know why because I and the only one that actually did was that um, you know the Alfenheim one and that was audio and I'm putting it down to I like the audio you know I, that's how I kind of still consume. Was Alfenheim stuff. Peter Watts as well? No, Alfenheim was Michael F. Flynn, hmm. and it, it like you say you picked the flicking winner. I didn't. Um, because Werner of Ringe had, had, had nailed something clever. Peter Watts, his, good, his book was good. Elfenheim, I don't think I, I liked it that much. It reminded me too much of the kind of rubbish that, um, um, that uh, Michael Crichton would, would palm off left, right, and center. Do you think? Yeah, yeah. But, the, but with uh, Peter Watts, I, I think he did, a, he did a good thing there. So, I, you know, I wish him all the best. I'll, I'll, I'll do it in big, big Peter F. Hamilton girly curlicules. I'll make, it, <laughs> I'll make it the biggest signature I can possibly do. What else have I got to... Um, I'd say, oh, thank God, I've never forgotten. <laughs> Where up for a Hugo, you know? Well, I heard you, you got nominated for a Hugo. Yes, I... And the uh, um, first podcast to do that. Aye. I mean, we did some pretty damn heavy networking and pressure by the, the, by the, uh, can you call them the audience, the audience of Starship Sofa? If you remember the olden days, though, that was how, you know, you you had to kind of network, you had to kind of get things, you know, that was my kind of, at least one little skill I could bring to the kind of show between were. Do you know what I mean? It was being able to do that and just. But it's bizarre if you think about it. You couldn't even we couldn't even pull a was it a Pulsar Award or a Pro Solar Award or pa- whatever the whatever I, the hell they were pa- Parsec. Parsec, that was it, a Parsec. Couldn't even pull a Parsec. And then all of a sudden all of a sudden, Tony, there you are Hugh. getting nominated for a Hugo. Hey, Kieran, if you can, because you've been Australia, if you can get Australia, you can pick the thing up if we ever look enough to win it. <laughs> so you've been, hold on a second, you've been nominated again for a Hugo. Sorry, no, no. This, I've been nomin- we've been nominated for a Hugo, mm-hmm. and now the, kind of, that's, the nomination round's finished, so there's, I think, a f- there's five, oh, six in. Still in. I see, again, I only, I only see it up on your... Because you'll um, probably switch your computer on from one month to the next one. That's well, <laughs> it's only to get the mice out. <laughs> so... The you've got until let's see you've got until I think it's the thirty first of July, you know there's there's the five or six like nominees there now you've got until the thirty first of July to 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 pick the winner and then they announce the winner in I think it's September the sixth or the fourth or the second somewhere around there at Worldcon in Australia. Wow. And even that, I mean, wow. if you look on the, the front of the cover of the book, this this book I'll send you down, it's got Hugo Award nominated podcast. There's a little bit, you know, like how the professionals have it mentioned on their kind of books. <laughs> well, normally they stick the sticker on after Tony. This is kind of, I've got a copy of the Iron Council with the fact that it's got winner of the Arthur C. Clarke, or Clarke Award stuck there, nice silver sticker. It's like wine, you know, and you get a, a really good wine that gets a decanter award. They stick a little kind of gold sticker on it after. Oh, the fact that you've got it embedded firmly, <laughs> firmly on the cover, actually as part of the print there, it, it, hmm. Sell it, sell it. If you make enough, if you make enough of this one here, God's sake, get Peter Watts over there, get yourself over there as well. Oh, it's, it's funny, you know, because 
even now, that's always been one of my kind of downfalls. Is like, there's, I wouldn't get up. Do you know what I mean? Not, but you're so modest, surely not, Tony. <laughs> I'm fine here, but and I'm sure we talked about this. If we ever had to go to a convention, you would get up and do all the chatting. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I, uh, but that's that's simply because I'm terrified beforehand. There, I get up there and I start thinking of one-liners and cyclical jokes that I can tie to the one-liners and get myself on and off as quickly as possible with as many laughs as possible. Do you still, Kieran? Here's another thing I've been meaning to ask you for a while as well. Do you still read, reread the old books? Because I cannot do that. I've never done it. I don't think I've done it once. Do you still? Do I, think it I've, I bought a copy of The Stars, My Destination, um, for a lady at work who who is looking nice talking about science fiction, and she was she was a big fan, and she it just surprised me that she was into it. So I said, "Have you read this?" And she said, no. And I said, I'll tell you what, I'll go out and buy you a copy and I'll give it to you. And she dutifully, after she read it, gave it back to me. Can you imagine somebody saying that the stars my destination was too mushy when it got all romantic? I said to her, what are you on about all romantic? It was a rape scene. But never mind, it was uh, one of those things, I guess. And I've just given the stars my destination back out to somebody else who came in my office um, for something or other. And when I get it back, I think I'm going to treat myself to reading it again. See, I cannot do that, can it? You know, and I mentioned this as as well. You know, I think I've I've actually recorded a bit, which is going to I'll play later on. Is what always what I always remember between me and you, Keenan, when we're doing the show was I th- we were chalk and cheese. Do you know what I mean? In every kind of aspect of, of like doing the show, do you know what I mean? Like if from down to research, from from like reading habits, like reading habits really stick in my even mind. even down to the bit there, Tony, where you'd insist we get naked for photographs. I mean, I'd be dead against it, and you'd be all for it. I mean, it was a lot of stuff, not just you know that was some serious. <laughs> I can't remember that. I can remember that. Polar opposites, Tony. Polar opposites. Hey, well, like I say, it's it's quite. Bizarre in a way, though, Kieran, that we started the show, you know, to talk about history and then, you know, like talk about science fiction history. And then here now, there's a book out celebrating it. And they say Starship Sofa's up there. It's, it's a I, I think a little, was it Tiger Melville's little quote on the front? Is it Tiger Melville's on yes. the front? It is. Tiger Melville's little quote there saying how indispensable uh, the youthful Starship Sofa is. And it's hard to believe that Starship Sofa is so youthful for its indispensability. Thus says Tiger, I seem to remember. So why you call him Tiger? He says Tiger, Tiger Melville. I'm, I'm sure it was something I thought it was, and it just stuck with me. What are you reading yeah. at this moment then, Kieran? I, f- I am reading one of Tiger Melville's books. Oh, you still, are you, oh I thought you said you put down that. No, I've, I've finished um, Perdito Station. I've got, I kind of, the kids' books gone back on the shelves there because I found it too much like hard going, in so much as that for reading on the... Um, on the bus into work in the morning there it doesn't kind of suck me in then kids book never did you know their kids books are where you fill with your imagination and i guess i guess what i read books for nowadays is to be filled in by somebody else's imagination uh and the iron council uh, i've just started that and i haven't quite got into it yet so it's not a, it's a dangerous phase <laughs> the dangerous phase is where all life stops and and i find myself creeping off to bury myself in the book there to kind of stick it intravenously into my um, into my arm and and disappear somewhere. See, you know, it's been a um, even with the audio because of like you know I'm I'm listening to stories and editing stories and that. It's been a long, long time since I've picked up a book and read 
read a, a story. I've got one. I get like a few review copies, and we played this right out. A few months ago, called I think he's called Hanu Rigiani or something like that, mm-hmm. and it's actually Charlie Stross is ranting and raving about him. He's a Finnish writer, he lives in lives in Scotland or something like that, and he's got a new book out. And we've played a couple of his. I've got a story. I've got a few stories by him. And I've played one, so I'm trying to read that. But I can seem like ten minutes, and then I'm like thinking, well, I've got to sort that out. You know what I mean? I kind of there's too much to do. Bloody Starship Sofran. Can't concentrate on an audio book. The minute an audio book starts playing, there it's it's like background noise. It's like having the radio on in the background. I just drift off. Whereas a book grounds me, beds me. It's like a lightning rod. I'm kind of there. But I tell I tell you one thing. Down here in London, I don't find myself walking home from work, reading by uh, reading by the uh, street lights. You must finish. You finish a decent time now, do you? Kieran? No. Well, it depends. It depends. Sometimes I do, and sometimes I don't. Because it's a kind of a managerial job, Tony. I have to sink, just like you do as editor of Starship, so for an awful lot of my time into it, uh, which means that you kind of work longer hours for the greater good are you, yourself. Are you happy down there, Kieran? Are you happy with that? Because I've never really asked mm-hmm, you that. Absolutely, you know, absolutely. It was a great move for me. I've kind of reached the top of my, I wouldn't say the top of my tree, but in Newcastle, I'd kind of, I found I couldn't find any opportunities that matched my experience. And it was becoming fast becoming a closed shop in so much as that if you didn't have, I guess for me, the right connections. Um, and, I, and I'd been offered all sorts of jobs and I couldn't see any of them really being worth my while. So coming down to London with a completely different um, set of, of, and I found a very unique place to work in, the one that just fitted all my experience, the kind of all the various places I'd worked. Whereas by the time I was doing Starship Sofa, I was I was basically deadheading myself. I had a wonderful little kind of lifestyle going on where I was working for four friends of mine, um, and I really wasn't having to stretch myself. I didn't have to carry keys, didn't have any worries. I could just go out and party and have a good time, and and of course fit in Starship Sofa around um, around my hangovers. It was great. But over here, it's a different thing altogether. The time's not quite my own, but. You know, on the other hand, there, what? it's quite satisfying to kind of um, have a job which I can sink my teeth into, and and I, I'm actually able to do quite well, and uh, I'm not getting the kind of global acclaim, Tony, that uh, you've managed to achieve um, over the last two years. But in my own little small way, I'm quite content. <laughs> actually, Kieran, like you say, it's everyone else, man. You know what I mean? It, it's always been the key. You know what I mean? I'm, I'm, that's one me one talent is that ask for help. And it's certainly not just me on Starship Sofa now. You know what I mean? There's so many people kind of help and do things to kind of keep it running. Do you know what I mean? I could... I swear, I could take a few months off and, you know what I mean, it'd still be ticking over. So... That's incredible. It's a skill, Tony. It's a skill. It's a skill, you know, beating buggers around you dry. But the, but the, 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 do you still have some of the old guard, some of the guys who've been with, with the podcast from the very beginning? I guess, who, who would they be? I was going to say, you name uh, someone, I'll tell you, because... <clears throat> uh, the ex-Pat Paul and, um, and, uh, da, 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 da. these are guys more or less from the forum, um... Expat. Yes, expat like Paul. Yes, expat Paul. What was the other guy? There was another guy who used to be on there. Uh, the English assassin. Yes, Simon yeah. still on. Actually, Simon a while ago did. He used to do. He do some great book reviews. You know, I think 
all three we could probably sit down and have a really good conversation because Simon would pick some great little topics or great like writers that especially you would be kind of you know well into like Mervyn Peaks and all sorts of, like writers you probably wouldn't I wouldn't probably pick up you know what I would now listen to kind of Simon but he hasn't done any for a while he 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 moved away somewhere and then he came back so I haven't um, and he's he's still on the forums there now Simon. Yeah, there's uh, what about um, Fred? Because yes, he wrote Fred. you that wonderful story, didn't he? Way back Fred's in the still, um, and he's like you say, he's he's actually just starting. Kieran, he's going to announce it now. He's he's going to start doing some graphic novel like reviews, you know, once a month as well. Oh, right. Like of of the old style, he says, you know, like kind of the classics, because that's what, what, another, like Watchmen. I, I, I honestly don't know because it's it's way beyond me. All that comics bloody. No, it's. Uh, <laughs> I never really was in the comics, so I'm looking forward to this. To hopefully, you know, go out and get myself one if he recommends it. You know, but yes, Fred's still kicking around. It's, but you can't read comics. The, the, the language of comics yeah. escapes you. You know it's what? Like me and audiobooks. You well, always said that you you looked at a page of comic stuff there, and you just couldn't couldn't understand. I didn't know which way. I, I didn't know which on. didn't know which way it went. But it's funny enough. I've um, got an iPhone, and if you get a comic on an iPhone, you just have to touch the screen, and it moves to the the correct panel do you know what I mean so you, you can kind of follow follow it you know? so, so it's like a Janet and John approach to cartoons <laughs> so it works for us do you know what I mean it's, um, you, should, you should start off on the three the three kind of um, the, the kind of ones in the newspapers where they have three just three images running three panes running side by side three panels sorry you should start off on them and then work your way work up there don't let your iPhone do all the hard work yeah work, work up to some like a, like a full page <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you've got the wife to do the Hoover, and then you've got the iPhone to do the comics for you. Have you read any doozas crappy things of lately then, or not? Or? What? Like pot boilers? Mm-hmm. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Go on, name out. Name Bloke at work. Um, there's a couple of lads at work who are ex role playing gamers. And funnily enough, I think like Charlie Stross is an ex role playing gamer. Um, and who's another one there? And and Tiger Melville is an ex-role-playing gamer, so they're kind of from that. They kind of they're from about the same age as these guys as we are. Anyway, cutting a long story short, this guy recognised. He said, "You should read Dan Abnett, or is it Abnett or Abner or?" Abnett? Yes, I know, I know who you're on about, anyways. Anyway, it, it it's it is it is. Um, I, I, it took me it took me months because I kept on putting it down and putting it up, and I read the Ravenor Omnibus. But in a nutshell, it's all about this bloke called Ravenor, who who travels around in a sauna chair. You know, like one of those old kind of saunas where you've got the, the doors on the front and right. you sit inside. He travels in one of those, but he never comes out of his sauna chair. And it's him, and he has a whole bunch of, like, two-dimensional types who wear kind of, I don't know, vinyl and leather and studs and stuff like that. And they basically work for the brewery. And the brewery is basically sending them out to kind of close down pubs, freehold pubs, or pubs run by managers they're not entirely happy about. So they'll send down Ravenor and his troop of kind of uh, hardcore thugs. And he's basically busting up pubs. And that, that's really, the, in a nutshell, I mean, at least I'm assuming that he's, he's telling allegorical stories, because if he's not, it's fucking awful. <laughs> It's just it's his teenage boy stuff. It was I I I just couldn't do that. I got halfway through the book and I suddenly discovered to my to my delight that he'd actually picked up a storyline and he was running with it. 
pretty much before that particular point there. He's just shooting stuff it's and having, having, having kind of describing what clothes they're wearing. There is a big like scene with that kind of warhammery, you know, movement thing. You know, like especially the covers as well, all the kind of big kind of robot-y looking guys. Is, is that one of the covers on it? Is it? Like- mm, it's just because they're all aimed at teenage boys. Mm-hmm. You know, it, 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 it kind of, again, like like, a, like any good kid's book, it leaves it all up to the imagination. So just a thumbnail sketch of, of I don't know, Patience Kiris or whatever it is there. And off they go, fumbling underneath their bedsheets. And then they, you know, surface again to uh, turn the page. <laughs> There's certainly no smut in there. It's just, uh, it's just all, all in the imagination. I think actually mostly... Uh, you know, it's more more likely the accounts of how well oiled the guns are about to set off. You know the you know the um, the hair triggers of of young lads in puberty. But those those stories might actually might 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 lead to for one young man to pick up an Alfred Bester story. You know, if he he likes that and he likes science fiction, he might wonder and think. Well, oh, Dan right. Dan Dan Abner or Dan Abner or whatever apparently has written the Mister Men books as well. So he's, you're just as likely reading a Dan Abner book to go off and pick up a Mister Strong book, perhaps, or a Mister Messy book. <laughs> Kieran, I've loved having this. It's been lovely walking down memory lane. It, it has. It, it, it and again, Tony. I mean, uh, in in awe, an absolute awe of what you and, of course, uh, your audience in Starship Sofa have managed to achieve uh, over the last two years to get yourself nominated for a a, a Hugo it is, of course, no mean feat. And uh, and that's in- incredible, Tony. Incredible. You know what? Uh... You always quite fancied the idea of following in the footsteps of of the great editors. I can remember you boning up about who was the guy who did not New Worlds but the other one. Who was the guy? Who was the editor that you quite you quite fancied? M. John ago? Harrison. No, not M. John Harrison. The guy, not New Worlds. He was M. John Harrison. Was the book. It was the book reviewer. I read Ver- Vernaconium the other day as well. That was quite good. Is it good? Um, uh, not M. John Harrison. The guy who did not New Worlds. What's the other? Mm, come on. The then. other science fiction magazine that's still going on right now. The Interzone one. Interzone. The 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 editor of Interzone. Right. Is oh man. What was the guy's yes. name? This, uh, You're quite hot and bothered about his ideas of kind of getting uh, doing kind of. What's he called? Different swapping over content with other magazines and, and kind of stuff like that. I think he was a big inspiration for you. Whoever that guy was, he yes. was a big inspiration for you. Yes. So you've become you've become a great editor, sir. Well, it's just it's just in title, Kieran. Do you know what I mean? That's all it is. It's in title on big bold letters all the way across the captain's log. Yes, because for, I, for I, her. I because I asked D, who's actually put this together. D, fund it up a few few levels. <laughs> you need no magnifying glass to spot that one, is it? falls off the top of the bookshelf towards you. Well, hopefully, Kieran, you'll, uh, when you get it, you'll have a... Honestly, it's quite bizarre, Kieran. You'll, you'll, it really is when you read it. Do you know what I mean? Especially, I don't know how other people will take reading it, but when... I wonder if there is mass appeal for something like that, mind you. It, well, Kieran, honestly, the, the idea is... Because it just helps. To, it, this this money uh, honestly go directly into keeping Starship Sova going. That's it. That's a fundamental reason why. And the, getting Peter Watts, getting Peter oh, yes, Watts to bloody yes. to Oscon. That's you know what I mean that that one book there. If we can kind of sell that, like I say, that would be amazing. Hundred pounds. I'm going to stick it up for so. 
sign it nice, do some doodles in it, doodle all over it, make it unique. I'll draw him a space alien. I hope you like this book, you know, I hope you like, even just like this, you know, what we've done with it, how we've how we actually physically put it together, how it looks, because, like I say, it's it's by, you know, just listeners from the show, the transcriber team, I, I call them, you know, and it's just, they've had to sit through one seat, like, especially, which one was it? I think it was the religion one. No, it was the Samuel Delaney one. That was over two hours long. You know, it's 20 odd thousand words. He didn't do Philip K. Dick. I was surprised at that. Well, because it was just a, asking too much for the transcribers. It was, like, a, it was, was a three, three episode. It was a three parter. And funny enough, one of the transcribers called Gilderan said, Tony, have you ever thought if a lot of the transcribers drop out, have you got cover? Now, this Gilderan is professional transcriber. You can, he can knock up, a, like, do one of our shows in a couple of hours. And he said, Send us some over, and you know, as a last minute effort, you know, if, if nothing's happening, and you know, there's a lot of them dropping out, he says, I'll, I'll whip up, you know, I'll write up these ones and get them done. But as it happens, you know, there was a few dropped out, I think probably about four people dropped out, you know, just didn't realize oh, the national and natural wastage, right? It would be a big <laughs> job, didn't realize the amount of work, honestly. Like I say, Kieran, that um, roots. The which one did Samuel Delaney one? I think that was one of the biggest ones, and and religion, you know, massive one. But religion, for another one there, I was surprised you didn't put in there. And I, and again, volume was, two, Kieran, volume two, volume two was, um, and we got we somebody said it was the best podcast they'd ever listened to in in the San Francisco Science Fiction Times or something, some some online online blog um it was it was it was it was so it goes who's who said so it goes doesn't ring any bells so it goes um sort out kurt vonnegut oh and we did the kurt yes because we are we that that was nice timing wasn't it (laughs) that he died and then we jumped on the bandwagon jumped on the bandwagon yes actually it's funny i don't know why i didn't put him in to be quite honest because he's I enjoyed, you know, the, the books I read by him as well, and enjoyed doing that show, you know. And it's always there for volume two, if any Bloody anyone hell. wants to. If anybody really, really wants some punishment, well, uh, Tony, Kieran. an absolute pleasure. We've got to wind it up at some particular point there, and I'm still sitting at my desk. Could talk all bloody night to you, big lad. It's very nice. So I will send these two books down. There's one for you. I've signed one already. If you sign that, send it back. Right. Do you want us to put postage on it for you? Well, it'll be good, actually. It'll be good, because it's coming to work. I, mean, I don't want work to think that I've, I'm trying to get them to pay for stuff there. And it'll be marvellous. So I'll send them. If you send that one back, and then... Actually, what will be nice, Kieran, hopefully, if you don't mind, I'll get you back on after you've, you know, a few weeks' time, after you've had a chance to look at it, because... I'm, gonna, I'm not going to say read it because I haven't read it like I've read it like to, like a toilet book, you know, where you're sitting and just dipping in and dipping out. Yeah, and it's excellent reading it like that, Kieran. It's just, oh, it's it's bizarre. Honestly, I, I don't know how you'll I feel can't about imagine it. Imagine transcribing that much waffle because I mean there may be little gems in there here and there, but for the most part, <laughs> for the for the most part, it, it's going to be mind-numbing stuff there as we fumble around the subject. And, I, and as you know, as you you'll want to point out there, I will use one word instead of using one word. I will use three. It's going to be mind-numbing. But honestly, Kieran, this—that's the fundamental thing—is that's why this. 
that them shows were unique and you know hopefully that's why this book is unique as well it's it is a, it's a little bit now of history that we we did honestly you want to be proud as out of it to be quite honest it really is there i've said myself i'm getting all soppy now listen sir live long and prosper yes as they say in star trek look after yourself don't drink too many warm shandies when you're down there you know what i mean well, you know, no. northern you know, pints inside i step here nowadays they've moved on so much <laughs> down here honest to goodness and i haven't seen one single pearly king or queen <laughs> this week this week at all because you've got all the all the outfits in your wardrobe well as you know there Tony there there's a lot of man can do with the privacy of his own house you, you know what there you've just said there you're saying the word there and you still do it that was one I, of the big things wasn't it there 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 well they're, 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 that you see would be one of those transcribing nightmares I think it would be, these guys are you have you managed to get them access to a good doctor or a pharmacist oh this is on, we've got the pictures in because that's one of the ideas mine Kieran was to have like a picture of, of the transcriber before the, the start of the transcription then and after then just an, like a jokey one afterwards you know and one transcriber Gail she's wrapped up in a straight jacket one of them is Phil he actually got, I think he'd come off his bike, or he's a, like a cyclist, you know, like he, he gets all dressed up like a proper professional-looking cyclist. I don't know if he got hit by... <laughs> oh, if he wears leathers and stuff when he gets on his bike, like most folks do when they get on a bike. Like, no, like a push bike. And you got oh, a on, push bike, see. So and I think he got hit... guys who wiggles his arse about <laughs> I think he got hit by a car, ran into a car, and uh, you want to see the scar, you know, it's on the picture, one of the pictures. Oh, it looks nasty as hell. Gosh, that's a far way to go for a before, before and after. So, Kieran, Did anybody drop a grand piano on themselves from a great height? <laughs> You'll have to wait and see. Are you gonna, are you, so will you recommend this book then, Kieran? Let's see how you see I recommend this book. <laughs> the book I haven't seen, it's full of bears. I heartily recommend it for those lovers of words beginning with T and ending in E. And, 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 I, and I think any book without lots and lots of them um, wouldn't be worth buying. Kieran, you're just, oh, I wish I could give you a big hug. All right then, Tony C. Smith, and it's been an absolute pleasure, an absolute pleasure to touch base, sir. You look after yourself, honestly, and I'll give you a phone and we'll, we'll hopefully do this again just to find out, you know, and you can be honest, you know, Tony was a pile of shite, you know, the hell you're on about. Well, it depends <laughs> how heavy it is, and if I drop it on myself, that'll be the first thing I get. Actually, what's nice is, is Bob's in there as well, because I did the, the Terry Pratchett Are you going to send him out a copy? I'll have to, aye, definitely. You'll have to, I spoke to Bob on the phone just the other week. I, I know he's on and kicking around because Bob lives in Australia, but because his Skype lights up, but he's always gambling. Well, he he <laughs> was he... just leaving New Zealand where he'd been bringing culture to, to the wilderness and uh, he'd been travelling with... <laughs> no, okay. um, culture and Bob don't go together. Then well, Bob, Bob, Bob had got himself another one of those jobs that he was very pleased with where he did bugger all and he got paid lots of money. And he had just been touring around, I don't know, was it North Island? North Island with um, Avenue Q, and he was just coming up to the wrap-up, and he was heading back to Oz. Kieran. Back to the dogs, the tennis racket, and Nicky. You look after yourself. Aye, sir. I will see you around like a record. Yes, take good care of yourself. Ta-da, sir. Ta-da. survive this terrible ordeal? Can they win through with their integrity unscathed? Can they escape without completely compromising their honor and artistic judgment? Tune in next week for the next exciting installment of
Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.